Welcome yes. to episode seven of the Modern Agile Show. I am delighted to have my first guest. I told him a minute ago that he's my first guest. He's like, what? Yeah, so you're my first guest. This is Jez Humble. Jez, Hi. welcome to the Modern Agile Show. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to have you here. Um, Jez and I are, we're neighbors, aren't we? Basically. We live in neighboring communities in the East Bay of California. East Bay. East Bay, we love it. Uh, Jez is the author and co-author of three books. Uh, it's the first one of Continuous Delivery, an absolutely outstanding book that just paved the way for an entire new industry in DevOps. Um, the second book, which we have here, we're gonna be looking at later, Lean Enterprise. Very, very important book, Lean Enterprise. I've been, uh, you gave me a copy of that book and I've been, I've been reading it ever since. And a brand new book, which just came out, when did it come out? Like in October. October, called The DevOps Handbook. So um, that is incredible. Jez also is a guest lecturer at UC Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And I work at 18F. What is 18F? 18F is uh, one of the things that came out of the healthcare.gov debacle. 18F is uh, a team within the General Services Administration uh, in the US government. Uh, and we are a digital agency, basically, that help other agencies and government build in a lean, agile way. Fantastic. Unbelievable. All right. So that's, that's extremely cool. Applying lean and agile to government, helping make that actually happen so we actually have a, a efficient government. That's the plan. That's incredible. Okay. So you might have noticed this. We don't normally have this type of thing here, but um, I was just at a uh, special place here right down the block from my office. It's the um, Sierra Nevada Tasting Room, and it's where Sierra Nevada tests out brand new beers on people. So it's their laboratory, and it's right down the block. And I thought, wouldn't it be great since you're coming to have a little um, refreshment? That's a fabulous idea. I'm very happy. <laughs> so we're, we're not allowed to have booze in government offices, so you know. Okay. Well, this is industrial logic. We can do whatever we want. Um, so let me tell you about the beer real quick. Okay. This is called Baltic Joy. Right. It's a porter with coconut and almond. Sounds great. So would you like a glass then? Sure. You are from England, so you are used to some very good brews. I'm hoping that uh, this lives up to it. And uh, let's see how it goes here. This is a growler, as they call it. Yeah, I didn't know about growlers until I came to California. Yeah. And you're, you're going to drink it out of a Sierra Nevada glass. Perfect. Just to quiet. There okay. we are. That's good. That was perfect. It's like you've done this before. I haven't. <laughs> I really have. You're establishing a precedent now. You're going to have to do this for all your guests. Oh, my God. Gonna, all right. It's going to be expensive. Cheers. Cheers. It's a modern agile. Mm. Thank you. And thank you for being the first guest on the show. It's a real, truly an honor to, to have you here. It's a pleasure. So, um, you know, a lot of times on the show we talk about, um, well, we talk about modern agile things. Um, so I, I, you are actually familiar. I've just given you a refrigerator magnet. Yeah, and that, there's four great things on this. Okay. Make people awesome at the top. Love that. Deliver value continuously, can't object to that clearly. Um, make safety a prerequisite, and I know, I know you, you've published on engineering, which is your movement around creating safety, which I think is tremendously important. Um, and then experimenting and learning rapidly. Um, 
which is, uh, you know, I think this is this and making safety a prerequisite are, uh, you know, they're the, the final frontier of agile learning in many ways. Yeah, yeah, experimenting and learning. And then, of course, what you wrote about, which is deliver value continuously. Mm -hmm. I mean, that if you can't get the value in the customer's hands, right, mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it's all about. Right, and if you can't do that continuously, you can't experiment. I mean, if it takes right. you a month to get your change into production, you're not going to be able to experiment realistically. So right. I think the one enables the other. Yeah, and what are you finding with continuous deployments these days? What's, uh, you know, what have you learned, for example, since the book came out on continuous delivery? Continuous delivery book. Um, I've learned I wasn't crazy, which is always <laughs> nice. <laughs> you're not. Um, and, you know, everyone's doing it now. Like, I mean, it, you're hard-pressed to find people who either aren't doing it or don't think they should be doing it or say they're doing it but aren't doing it. I mean, everyone either says they're doing it or wants to say they're doing it. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah. so that's good, and we're finding it everywhere. I mean, you know, I bang on, I bang on incessantly about Gary Groover and his HP Nature firmware case studies. So we're doing it in firmware. We're doing it in the government. Um, one of the things that I'm, um, uh, well, not I'm working on, but there's a team working on at and is cloud.gov, which is a, a cloud platform for government, platform as a service built using um, uh, Cloud Foundry sitting on AWS. Uh, and we're doing continuous delivery of that. I mean, there's pipelines set up, we're deploying the platform continuously. So even in government, where we have this crazy regulation, there's you know um, over 100 controls just to deploy a, a low impact system to in, in federal government. Um, we're doing, do yeah, we're doing continuous delivery. So incredible. So you got incredibly bureaucratic government stuff where you're doing continuous delivery mm -hmm. and firmware. Where people right. don't think you can do it in firmware, right? Right, because firmware—that's hardware. That's the software on the hardware, right? And uh, and people are actually continuously deploying, deploying safely to it, right? So that, that's a little dangerous, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and also, you know, you wouldn't think it would be a good domain because people don't want to update their firmware ten times a day. But it turns out um, the the efficiencies in terms of the economics and the software development process—it's it's tremendously important there. Increased quality. I mean, all these things that we talk about—the fact right. that you know, it's not just a trade-off of quality versus speed. You know, the, these things enable each other, and you, right. you can get better quality and cheaper and faster. Um, so oh. I think, like my, my my thing is, you know, no excuses. If you're building a website, no whining about continuous delivery. Oh, there you go. There you go. It's table stakes at this point, right? right. You just you just have to do it. So, um, yeah. Well, very good. And then uh, we have this make people awesome, which is our our high bar. Right. I mean, that's sort of the, wow, you know, yes, del deliver stuff continuously, but, but, but actually steer it towards doing something awesome, yep. doing something incredible for them, yep. which is, is, you know, again, it's, it's a great challenge. Um, I, I talk about Kathy Sierra quite a bit talking about make users awesome. Yep. Yep. And, and then we look at the whole internal systems of, of, you know, how do we interact with each other? Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we make each other awesome? Yep. You know, by being respectful and so forth. So. Yeah, I mean, Kathy Sierra is amazing. I love her book. Um, uh, it's on the reading list for my class at UC Berkeley. Um, so yeah, I think make people awesome in terms of your users and meet, make people awesome in terms of the people, your employees or your team. Uh, that's a kind of duality that hadn't occurred to me when I spotted that. I really love that. That's great. I, I feel it's really hard to accomplish too. I mean, uh, let's be real here, right? This is hard. Uh, awesome is, a, is, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, well, the Brits sometimes say awesome and roll their eyes, right? right. <laughs> so I, I've, I've heard this, that awesome is not necessarily, you know, how we Americans think of it. Uh, but yeah, Brits tend to use words like that ironically. Ironically, yeah. But I've had that knocked out of me. I've been in California for eight years now. <laughs> so. 
So we mean it in terms of awe-inspiring, uh, just absolutely incredible. It's, it's like it's make not, people incredible, make people amazing, that kind of thing. It's not a middle of the road term. I mean, it's, it's very clearly on one end of a spectrum. Right. Um, and I, I think this is right. I mean, people think that, uh, you know, and I, I, we talk about this at the beginning of the book, uh, a lot of people think you have to hire awesome people. You know, this is what we need to do. We mm. need to hire the awesome people, yes. and that's what will make us great. Yes. Um, and that's not true. Yeah. Um, you get awesome people by building an awesome environment. Um, and I mean, I, I remember Adrian Cockcroft very famously. Um, so if you don't know Adrian Cockcroft, he basically was the first person to do cloud computing at enormous scale at Netflix, invented a bunch of the patterns um, that are used to do huge systems that uh, in these cloud stuff. Yeah. Um, and some, some senior person at a Fortune 500 company said to Adrian, where do you get your amazing people from, Adrian? And he turned around to him and said, uh, we get them from you. Uh, and it's this idea that, you know, it's not about hiring awesome people. It's about creating an environment which nurtures people and, and allows them to learn and gain new skills. And, you know, yeah. I, I didn't do CS. Yeah. I never, you know, yeah. I, I learned this stuff by experimenting you, and trying stuff out. You have a liberal arts background, a philosophy background. Yeah, well, so my undergraduate was philosophy and physics. My postgraduate degree, I've got a master's in musicology where I studied Indian classical music and, and learned Hindi. So, like, nothing... Yeah, remotely computer related. Right. It, it's all it's all self-taught basically. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. And, and I think you know anyone can do that. You know, we talk in here, and I know you talk a lot about um, agile mindset and, and the importance of mindset. Carol Dweck's work, yep. the idea that all of us are capable of learning. Oh yeah. Um, and and basically creating an environment where anyone can learn. That that's what we're trying to do. Not not this idea that you know innately people are smart or dumb and that we have to hire the smart ones. Yeah, I mean, uh, people are, I, I basically, what, what, what I found in growing up through school was that if a teacher had high impressions of me, I rose to those impressions. And if a teacher had low impressions of me, I would meet those expectations too. So it's amazing, that's what you're saying. It's the environment that is created that, that really forms us. So um, have you know high expectations for your people and, and create an environment that lets them thrive. You know. Easier said than done, though. There's a lot of the stuff we talk about. I mean, we, I work with large institutions that are struggling mightily to actually implement this stuff. And your book on Enterprise Lean uh, or the Lean Enterprise is basically helping companies work through all that stuff, right? That was, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know it's filled. This, is, this book uh, is, is filled with incredible wisdom. From lots of people, and just yeah. and you've called it down into an amazing uh, collection of wisdom. I saw all of the modern agile principles in here as I read this. Yeah. I saw incredible, uh, you know, quotes from Deming and uh, Teichi Ono and all these great thinkers. Carol Dweck, we talked Carol about Dweck, mindset. absolutely. Um, so, are there any passages you want to read today for us? Yeah, I've, I've, I've picked one out uh, on short notice, uh, which, I, which I think is, is, is reasonable. Um, before I read it, I just want to say, like, uh, in this, these are not my ideas. And in fact, we get... Uh, you have three, you have two co-authors. I have authors. Two, two co-authors as well. But even the bits that are mine are not my idea. Um, yeah. I think, you know, we got dinged for this on Amazon. Uh, but I'm unapologetic about it. I mean, this is oh, basically yeah. me. I mean, we tried to implement continuous delivery, and we found that the problems were not technical. The problems were cultural and organizational and architectural. And so I basically did a ton of research and then, you know, visited a bunch of different companies. And, you know, you invited me in to help them implement continuous delivery. And this is basically, you know, what I learned 
in that journey. Wow. Um, and this is where I keep all the things I, I need to remember, basically. <laughs> so it's like, in, in what, if I need to, like, th there's quotes and stuff, I've, I've tried to stick them all in here so that I, I can just find the things that I need. That's fascinating. So you um, literally wrote this book because after writing Continuous Delivery, companies would say, well, we can't do that. Right. And you would say, oh, okay, why? And then ultimately the answers came in this book. Right, exactly. And in fact, that's just caused me to change the thing that I'm gonna, gonna read um, All right. Well, I will stall. <laughs> I'm going to fill up. I'm going to give you oh, more beer God. as your. Um, I need to drink because this is one of the things that I've also lost from England is the ability to uh, get beer down my face. Very I should quickly. tell you this that Jez biked to my office I did. today. I um, and so uh, I'm very impressed with your biking. Thanks. Um, very. Uh, I'm not dead yet. And after cycling in London, actually, this is relatively straightforward. I cycled around London for a few years. So this is. Although I did get this eye injury from basically cycling down a hill in the UC campus, totally unforced error, I just literally cycled into the sidewalk <laughs> and then <laughs> oh over my. the handlebars, mm. smacked my head, and now I've got this quite dangerous looking scar, which I think what probably, probably looks like some. Um, so here's what we say at the end of chapter one in the section called, your people are your competitive advantage. Your people are your competitive advantage, okay. Um, a key premise of this book, supported by the experience of companies um, such as Tesla, among many others, is that the flexibility provided by software can, when correctly leveraged, ac accelerate the innovation cycle. Software can provide your enterprise with a competitive advantage by enabling you to search for new opportunities and execute valid opportunities faster than the competition. Many people working in enterprises believe that there's some essential difference between them and tech giants such as Google, Amazon, or Netflix that are held up as examples of technology done right. We often hear, that wouldn't work here. That may be right, but people often look in the wrong places for the obstacles that prevent them from improving. Skeptics often treat size, regulation, perceived complexity, legacy technology, or some other special characteristic of the domain in which they operate as a barrier to change. The purpose of this chapter of this book is to show that while these obstacles are indeed challenges, the most serious barrier is to be found in organizational culture, leadership, and strategy. Culture, leadership, and strategy. And I guess like I would probably add architecture as well. Mm. Okay. So basically you're saying they cannot necessarily say, oh, you know, we're not, just because we're not Google doesn't mean we get a free pass. Right. They just need to focus on those areas. Culture. Right. Yeah, no, no one gets to say, oh, it can't be done here. I mean, it, and it, and it can't, I mean, they're right in one sense, I think. You can't take what someone else has done and transplant it into your system and expect the same results. You know, right. you can't just kind of copy paste approach to process improvement. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know, we can we talk about the scaled agile frameworks in this book, and I know you, you have opinions about those frameworks <laughs> that I probably share. Um, so we've talked about this over beers before. Yeah. Um, but the idea that you can, you know, take a framework and implement it, and that's going to fix everything. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't. But of course, there are things that we have discovered over, over time that, that I do copy paste. For example, trunk-based development. Okay. Right? I mean, uh, of course, a lot of the clients we go to, they're like, branch hell. There's all these branches. Mm -hmm. And they think that that's actually the right way to work. Right. They've been taught that way. And it's like, you know, it could be a lot simpler if you just all committed regularly into the trunk. Uh, and I don't view that as like copy-paste. Like, yeah, Google does it. Instagram does it. A whole bunch of great companies do it. Heck, we do it at Industrial Logic. Um, and it's not that hard. It's not hard at all. In fact, it's really simple. But 
you know, it, so it, are there things that are universal that aren't necessarily like, you know, oh, copy paste and it won't work, but are, are there universals? Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's, a, that's a great question. I struggle with this myself because on the one hand, I'm like, there's no such thing as best practice. On the other hand, the most controversial thing that I talk about even today is trunk-based development, working off trunk instead of feature branches. I regularly get dinged for this. Ah, uh, yes, I've heard the... this. I, I was actually at a credit card company and I mentioned this and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, Jez was beating us up about that. I was, um, and, and I, it's my hot button. So yeah. well done, you found my I, hot button. I didn't know that, I was amazing. <laughs> I have, so it's, it's, this is my uh, first interview and I've somehow honed in on something critical here. Yeah. Well, actually, you, find you, you have the same problem I do, which is that I you, you say you should do this, and people are like, that's crazy, Tony, can't work. And you can divide the population of developers into two, the people who think, of course, why wouldn't you do that? And the rest of them who are like, this is crazy talk, it can't possibly work. And it's, it's it, you know, you, you're what, it's very rare to find people who are like, mm, yeah, like people are really polarized they are. about this issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've done research on this. Uh, State of DevOps report, we've been doing research with um, me, Dean Nicole, in our new company, yeah. um, DevOps What's Research and Assessment LLC, where we're um, doing basic scientific research on what works and what doesn't work in terms of software development and IT performance. Mm. Scientific uh, research on what works and what doesn't work. This is like, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm really thrilled, and I have to give most of the credit to Nicole Forster and Dr. Nicole Forster, my, my, my um, business partner. Um, Dr. Nicole. A, I, Dr. I Dr. Met, Nicole Forster. She's I a, met her in Singapore like a month or so ago. She's brilliant. Yeah, she's a proper scientist. She has a, she's a real professor. Um, she actually has like a PhD and, and had done like proper research. Um, and so, we, we've, I mean, as you know, we've tried to find a scientific approach to kind of things that we talk about. It's really hard. You can't run randomized controlled experiments in the context of software development because there's too many variables, right? Too many variables. So what we do is basically we, we take a hypothesis-based approach and we, and we look at the data. And when you start with the hypotheses and you have theory that you can point to, to say, well, we expect this to happen, then what you can say is, well, where we see correlations and we predict those correlations, we can talk about causation. Mm. So there's three situations in science where you can talk about causation. One is longitudinal studies, which you can't do. One is randomized controlled experiments, which are very hard. And the other one is where it's theory-based. So you use theory to predict um, what you think will happen. And then if the correlations come through, you can say that it's causal. So that's what we've done. And we've shown that on teams where there's less than three long-lived branches, where typically you push branches into the trunk once a day, or more frequently, um, uh, trunk or master, or whatever you call it, those teams have higher IT performance. And we, we expect that because wow. what happens when you keep um, inventory on branches yeah. is that it, it goes stale. And then, yes, yes. you know, if, if you and I are working together, I push into trunk, it's fine, you can merge my changes. But, you know, if there's three, four, five, I mean, the, the complexity, and that's a combinatorial problem, merging all yeah. those different people into trunk. And the more people you have, and the longer the live those branches are, that's a, that's an, a non-linear problem of getting all those things merged. So you're correlating um, a low frequency of branching, that is not branching very often, emerging into trunk early yeah, and often to higher high IT performance. Correct. Which how, we do you, how do you measure that? So we have two measures. We have, uh, well, in fact, we have four. So but two categories, throughput and stability. Throughput so and stability, okay. Throughput is yep. release frequency uh, and 
time from checking to release, lead okay. time. Okay. And stability is um, time yeah. to restore service. Mm -hmm. When there's a, a uh, outage or a failure degradation, mm -hmm. how long does it take to restore service? Mm -hmm. And change fail rate. When you push a change to production, what percentage of the time do you do an emergency fix or roll back? Sure, sure. And what we, sh what we found, which is fascinating, is that high performers do better on both. It's not a zero-sum game, as we talked about earlier. Wow. High performers have better stability and better throughput because a lot of the processes you talk about, like version control yeah. and test automation and deployment automation, those help you with throughput and stability. Sure. And so what we, what we can show is that you know, having short-lived branches where you push into the trunk regularly predicts higher IT performance. Wow. So that's so awesome, and that's 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 a scientific, uh, dis you know, research, analyzed discovery across uh, numerous. Uh, yeah, we have like more than twenty thousand data points. And, oh you know, God! And like, I mean, so it's a, a, an order of magnitude higher than you need for demonstrating statistical significance. So the power of the study is really strong, and you know, so so our offering, uh, DevOps research and assessment, our product is we go into a company, we can pay you against the baseline of the data we've gathered over the three years of doing the study. So we were in Capital One. So um, uh, Tukul Pal, who's a cloud architect at um, Capital One, did a talk at DevOps Enterprise a couple of weeks ago um, where he talked about what the work we did there. We helped yeah. them analyze what they were doing. And in fact, out of all the different things we measured, trunk-based development was the thing where we identified they had the most room for improvement. Wow. By moving to a trunk-based development model, they achieved a 20x increase in IT performance as a result of just doing that one thing. Awesome. 20x. This is, this is music to my ears. I mean, talk about delivering value continuously. If you're not in the trunk, you're not getting into production anytime soon. You're in a branch. Right. I mean, this is, this is what it's all about. Why do people have such a hard time with simplicity? With the simplicity of just doing these basic practices. What is the problem? I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to be mean about developers, but you know, no. I will. Um, <laughs> because you know, I'm a developer. I I I I'm a developer full time, so I feel like I you know, I, I'm somewhat being mean about You're, myself. You keep your hands dirty, by the way. We I talked do. about this before the show started. I do. You know, Jez is one of these people that keeps his hands dirty. He's building government systems, right? I mean, you know, you're you're deep inside there. You're not just like you know, uh, basically handing commands off to programmers. You're in there. Yeah, I you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm. People seem to find it unusual that I still write code. They're always surprised. I mean, you must get this too, because I know that you, I mean, you're, you're a coder too. I love you to still code. code. I love to code. I, I like to keep my hands dirty. And yet I'll talk to executives too. So it's like, they're like, how can you do both? Right. Right. And it's just like, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's like riding a bike. I mean, you know, you're just used to doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's important. But right? do you get the same thing that I like, I'm like, oh, I'm still writing code. People are like, Really? Really? If you You've know, got you gray in your beard. You shouldn't beards. be writing code. That's impossible. But in fact, it's what keeps us real. It keeps us close to the metal, and we understand like, well, what does it take to be really good? Because you got to be. You, you can't be all like a theorist, right? Right, a theoretician, right? Where you haven't touched any actual code in a while. You don't, you know, a, a methodologist. A methodologist. <laughs> okay, so let's drink to not being methodologists. All oh, right, I love that. <laughs>